Welcome inside a Wednesday edition of the program. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. We have a lot of basketball to talk about. Buckle up. Big win last night for Ball State men's basketball, and they did so in a way that I think two things stand out that we will dive into about uh, some of the things they have overcome. And in a lot of ways, the overcoming adversity part of it is one of the things that's been talked about the most with this basketball team that uh, there's been moments they've done well in it and others not so much and maybe that just dials right into the inconsistency stuff we've been going over and over and over again uh, but last night they took a giant step forward and, and you wonder and I know we've had a couple of these moments this season where you feel like hey you went through that experience you're better for it and you move on and you have that under your belt as far as an experience I don't know if you'd say tactic uh, but that's maybe the way I would describe it and you know coaches want you to when you make a mistake don't make the same mistake twice and this team has really had its ups and downs of maybe even making similar mistakes twice. And last night was a big moment. Big moment as Ball State wins 70-63 to over Northern Illinois. We'll dive into that topic of conversation coming up here in a matter of moments. Um, we've been teasing this pretty much all week but the beginnings of the franchise tag portion of the NFL offseason has begun and what does it mean for Michael Pittman Jr. and the types of franchise tags because you know it's kind of funny last year so when Lamar Jackson because we all learn more when it's a quarterback related situation when it's contractually um, um, you know a, a, a contract negotiation if you will and I think that there's a large portion of NFL fans that had no idea the non-exclusive franchise tagging even existed if I brought up the fact that there's a franchise tag that when you tag the player they can still go out and get offers and the the team that tags said player can match it like there are, are more nuances to the franchise tag that I think a lot of people understand and so all the options that are out there for the Indianapolis Colts we will uh, do our best to explain the differences in these franchise tags and maybe what route uh, the Indianapolis Colts would go down. And the numbers we're talking about here, because again, the salary cap, the Colts have almost $75 million of cap space, but you got to look at all of their different free agents and kind of decipher, hey, you know, that cap number can be eaten up rather quickly. And I mean, very quickly. So those that want the Colts to be aggressive in free agency, well, you got to take care of your own, and you got key role players. And, you know, that's what we talked about last week with George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin, all about, hey, the, there's a lot of players on this list that, like the Julian Blackmans and the Kenny Moores and the Grover Stewarts and maybe some of those names you're familiar with, they don't rise to the top of the list, like in Richardson or a Taylor or a Pittman or a DeForest Buckner, et cetera but they are what make the core of your football team 
and you're going to have to make some decisions to keep some, and you're going to have to make some decisions to not keep some, and that's the tough part of it is really identifying who your core really is. So uh, we'll dive into that topic a little bit later on today, and then Mick Tidrow, voice of the Cardinals, fresh off the call last night. He was in DeKalb as a Bull State men's basketball got the win over Northern Illinois. So there's a couple of things that I would like to point out. If I were to have told you that with eight minutes to play, Ball State men's basketball was down nine points in the basketball game, how would you say the last 846 would go based on previous experience? If I were also to tell you that your leading score would be three for 18 from the floor, how do you think it? if you just had that piece of information – how would you react to how Ball State was able to play in said game? I think in both of those instances, you would say, eh, maybe it didn't go so well. Oh, they fell again. Oh, they couldn't, you know, they, they, they couldn't complete the comeback and the closing and all those different things because, frankly, that's what I've heard a lot. Well, Ball State was their best when they needed to be their best with 8.46 to go. Um, when uh, it was a, a nine-point game at that point, Ball State surged in front and never relinquished the lead down the stretch. It was 52-43 uh, at that point with 8.46 to go. From that point on, Ball State would take the lead at the uh, 5.09 mark of the second half, grow that lead, as uh, they went down the stretch. Um, and, and look, it was a two to three possession game at different points down the stretch, even a one possession game at one point. Um, Jalen Anderson made a big three with 126 to play to stretch what was a three point lead at the time to a six point lead. So little moments to close out games. And oh, by the way, the fact you did it on the road means big dividends. Also, you overcome a, a, a game for Bashir Jihad that in the stat sheet will look pretty normal. 17 points, 10 rebounds, couple of steals. You know, he did a little bit of everything in the basketball game. But if you looked at the shooting numbers, and I believe in the first half of play, he was 0 for 11 from the field. He had 18 shots in the game, 18 of your 56 shots, which is pretty typical. But he couldn't get a field goal to fall, just couldn't get it done. And yet, at the end of the day, what would have been, and Michael Lewis alluded to this after the game, basically saying, look, you got to love the way he, he fought through it. It didn't affect the pace he played, that's what Coach said, and it didn't affect the way he played defensively. And they kept grinding, kept battling. And then, you know, when, when it really mattered late, and I'm telling you, when Ball State gets to the free throw line, and they do so with frequency. Goodness gracious, is this a really good basketball team down the stretch in the way they can close out games. Uh, they shot 37%, <laughs> uh, but they got to the line 27 times. They were out-rebounded. Um, they, they forced more turnovers. But at the end of the day, the way they played in the final 846 is the difference. So you close, and you do it in a game where your best player isn't at their best. And oh, by the way, you get the road win. That is encouraging. I mean, that, that is flat-out encouraging. And look, Ball State men's basketball has been pretty good on the road in the Mid-American Conference. But again, there's a lot of, and we talked about it yesterday with Kyle Smedley from the Ball State Daily News. There was a sense of, hey, fans wanted to see how you come out of a game 
that really got away from you last Saturday. In that second half, to get outscored by 20, to give up 50 points defensively, all of those different things. Uh, Keep this in mind. Northern Illinois in two halves of basketball last night scored 63 points. Miami of Ohio scored 50 on Ball State in the second half of Saturday's game. Mm. Goodness gracious, I'm telling you. Uh, Quite a difference. Defensively, uh, they held Northern Illinois to under 65 points and got the job done. I mean, so there, there are a lot of different things that were different last night. A lot of things that were different from last night or from from Saturday, and you get it done. And by the way, it wasn't a perfect script. That's why I led with you trailed by nine with 8:46 to play. That's why I led with you're three for 18 from the floor, but. There wasn't a sense of giving in at all. And, you know, the the resolve and the fight and all the different cliches that maybe you get tired of really did matter at the end of the day for Ball State to grind out that victory. And not only do you get the win and you stay within pace of the eighth seed in the Mid-American Conference, but you may have knocked a team down a peg like Northern Illinois who could have joined you as a team challenging for that that eighth spot. So basically, you held off a team that was coming for you. Um, And now you're, you're two games clear of Eastern Michigan and Northern Illinois, so really, it's you in the chase for the Western Michigan, Miami of Ohio, Kent States of the world. You're one game back of all of those teams. So by winning, now you become right there in the mix with the Kent States, the Miami of Ohio's, and the Western Michigans. And you're 13-13 and overall, which the overall record does play a hand in the tiebreaker at the end of the day. Oh, by the way, you see Kent State, you see Western Michigan here in these final five games. So again, all of the different things that we set up yesterday are coming to fruition. Everything that was set up yesterday and what you have left comes into play at the end of the day for these five games and the opportunity to grab that number eight seed. There's an immense amount of pressure on the teams that already have those spots, and now it got even tighter because after... Before yesterday's game, Ball State was one game back of Western Michigan, two games back of Kent State and Miami of Ohio. Now, you're one game back of three teams. And oh, by the way, your overall record could play in to help you in this regard with tiebreakers playing out at the end of the day. So, last night was big. Last night was huge. And the difference between you being 4-9 and nine in conference and Northern Illinois also being 4-9 and nine in conference, and they would have been right there with you battling for the number eight seed. Now you stand alone with, you know, uh, kind of chasing a pack of three teams that are all locked in at 6, 7, and 8. Now... You're just trying to get in the conference tournament. The the seed at this point, not you know, not, not necessarily the consideration. But again, you keep winning, other teams are going to come back to you. Because as you know in the Mid-American Conference, the middle of this league is incredibly fickle. <laughs> I mean, the middle of this league, you know, Miami of Ohio couldn't have looked any better against you last Saturday. What do they do? Last night, they lose. They do. Oh, man, they won 80-59 to against Ball State. Beat them up. Beat them up pretty good. 
They go and lose by 19 to Western Michigan, who was kind of plummeting. And Western Michigan beat them at home by 19 points. Folks, may I welcome you to what the Mid-American Conference is. This is what happens, man. This is what happens. So if you hang around and you get the wins that you're supposed to get, which last night qualified for one that you were supposed to get against Northern Illinois, it wouldn't have knocked you out of contention for the HC, but it certainly would have been uh, put, put you in a tougher position. And then your games get more difficult down the stretch. But it, it really is funny what happened last night. Oh, also, Kent State, at the same time, um, you know, is it, it, 6-7 and seven in conference as well. Um, they go and lose to Ohio by 6. You know, and Ohio is right there in the middle of the conference, like we've talked about before, like all of these teams we are discussing here. So Ohio goes to eight and five. So they jump to the four seed. I mean, it is it is just an absolute seesaw battle going on in the middle of the conference. Ball State is separated by three games from the number four seed in conference, and yet they are number nine in conference play right now. Ball State's only two games out of fifth. And, you know, the doom and gloom thought after Miami of Ohio on Saturday and where you stand right now, you are not done with the work you have ahead of you. I mean, we're not you're not sitting back relaxing. You're you're enjoying this win and by the way, you got to, you had to see the uh uh the 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 video of the team in the locker room post game. And, and the mantra 1-0, that, that's truly at the end of the day what this comes down to. Being 1-0 every single time you go out there. And as much as you know all of these games matter over the next five, yeah, I would say going 1-0 is a pretty good way to kind of look at this thing right now. Uh, they were fired up. And you know what? I, I'll say this in a, in a broader perspective. I don't think anybody that really knows this team, that has really followed this team, and the way that they bounced back from, you know, really tough moments this year. Um, but there was certainly some chatter of, hey, let's see how they come back from Saturday. And again, when you have five games to go and you have a team that has been through all the different things this year, the ups and downs, the whatever. You know, you ask the question, like, you want to see that fight. You want to see, like, hey, there's still the, the effort there. <laughs> I, I'm talking from a fan perspective. It's not fair. It's not. So if anybody had questions about the effort or questions about do they still want it, I think last night would really qualify to tell you that is a ludicrous thought. Ludicrous. They are absolutely still battling, fighting, all those sorts of things. And especially for a young man like Bashir Jihad last night, who probably had his worst shooting night of his career in a Ball State uniform. And who cares? You win. Who cares? You got the win 70-63. to 63. He had 17-10. and 10. He shot 3 for 8. Who cares? You won. And that's what Jalen Anderson and Davion Bailey and Bashir said after the game. Got to love that feeling. Yeah, gotta love the way that they were able to respond in that. It is it is truly really interesting though this year about Ball State. Uh, their wins in conference play, uh, four of the five have come on the road. They've only won one game at home, and that was against Northern Illinois about two and a half weeks ago. They have won four of their five games in conference play on the road, which is just it's interesting. It really is.
some things you just can't explain. Um, but uh, big win last night. And so it sets up the five-game sprint. And, you know, we just got done talking about how good they've been on the road. Uh, three of the next five are at home. Eastern Michigan at Central Michigan, then Western and Kent back-to-back. And you've got Bowling Green on the road to end the season, um, in the regular season, that is. And maybe by that point, you'd be playing for a way into the Mid-American Conference Tournament. But it shows you how one game really matters in positioning yourself for a conference tournament bid. So work is not done. Far from it, actually. But, man, that was a big step last night. It was. And it was a big step from the way that you played over the last 846 in that game being down nine with your uh, best player having a tough shooting night. He had had five turnovers in the game. I mean, there were some things going against him, yet... Again, as Michael Lewis, Ball State men's basketball coach, said, it didn't affect his effort defensively. It didn't affect his effort and pace in the way he was playing offensively. And what do you know? Ball State gets the win. So Eastern Michigan's up next, and we'll certainly preview all that there is related to that matchup coming up here in a little bit. Um, but clearly, you know, where you're sitting, uh, you didn't get that eighth spot because Western Michigan was able to uh, beat up Miami of Ohio after Miami of Ohio looked uh, phenomenal on Saturday against Ball State, as we mentioned. So, again, you got to keep pace. Got to keep doing it. And the one and all mentality, folks, if you're tired of hearing that and the cliches and all of that, really at this point, it, it really does matter to, to just go one and all. So thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. It was fun to see the way that they closed that game. Because ultimately, and for those that have watched enough of Ball State men's basketball this season, you know it's been a, a really interesting deal down the stretch of basketball games lately down the stretch, even leading. You know, you just don't know how they were going to close games. And last night, not only did they close the game, they came back down nine with 8.46 to play. That says a lot about this basketball team. And again, um, I think the major question going forward that you would have for this team would be, can you, can you build off of that? Because if there's been obviously one thing, you've seen these individual moments, you've seen big wins down the stretch, and then the next game, it kind of looks a little different. And they're going to have to do something down the stretch that they really haven't done all year long, and that is have the consistency of doing what they did last night again and again and again. So... By no means is the job finished. By no means did they really, um, I mean, they accomplished the win last night, but uh, the, the, the effort moving forward and, and, and the circumstances going forward, they need a lot more where that came from. But you don't have that opportunity if you don't win last night. And you got the first one out of the way. So, again, Eastern Michigan coming to town at Warden Arena. It's just, again, I, I just can't get – uh, get past the fact that of your five conference wins, four of them have been on the road. It truly has been a strange year, and that one being uh, just as strange. But anyway, uh, you got the job done, and you move forward, and the focus now on the the one and zero mentality with Eastern Michigan coming to town on Saturday should be very interesting to see how that plays out. So um, when we come back, by the way, we'll break it all down with Mick Tidrell, voice of the Cardinals, coming up uh, just after 4:40 on the program. Had to be a, a lot of fun. 
uh, to watch the way uh, that team closed and uh, how they were able to handle uh, the end of that basketball game. So we'll get into all those specifics with Mick Tidrow. Voice of the Cardinals coming up here in a little bit. When we come back, though, I um, want to explain the franchise tag situation the Indianapolis Colts find themselves in. Because the last time, and I saw this the other day, the last time the Indianapolis Colts franchise tagged a player was their punter, Pat McAfee, (laughs) believe it or not, uh, just about a decade ago. That's the last time the Colts have utilized the franchise tag. So it's been some time, and I know that there's been some nuances added to the franchise tag scenario. We will try to provide some clarity on the different options the Indianapolis Colts have, and we'll do that when we return on a Wednesday show of the power. It's the talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. As always, presented by Walls Furniture and Mattress, Nebo Road right here in Muncie, online at wallsfurniture.com. 90% of what's on the showroom floor in stock for you 48 hours or less. That is the Walls Furniture and Mattress difference on Nebo Road right here in Muncie. New trends and styles swapped out daily on the showroom floor. Check them out on Nebo Road in Muncie or online at wallsfurniture.com. We'll talk to the voice of the Cardinals, Mick Tidrell. He'll be with us just after 440 today uh, to break down what was a big night. Uh, for Ball State men's basketball, the win over Northern Illinois to move to five and eight in conference play and thirteen and thirteen overall. So the window has opened for uh, the franchise tag, and of course, fans are familiar with the terminology. But there really hasn't been a player for the Colts here as of late that has qualified for uh, the franchise tag. Last time uh, a tag was issued was uh, Pat McAfee, um, because I think people might think that Jonathan Taylor was tagged. No, it was, it was on the last year of his deal, and he sat out because he wanted a bigger contract. And you know, there there was a. Th- thought that had Jonathan Taylor gotten to this offseason that you might have used the franchise tag to extend uh, two years even though um, because you can tag a player twice if you would like to it's not done normally and oftentimes if you tag the player the second time that's when they get a little frustrated thinking that there's really not a hope for a long-term deal but yeah you haven't done it since, since Pat McAfee your punter now the franchise tag is not a overall number. No matter who the player is, you tag them, it's the same number. It goes by the highest average value of positions. So you don't normally see quarterbacks franchise tagged because obviously if, let's just say, for instance, you had a player out there like Baker Mayfield, for example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers likely would not tag Baker Mayfield because he would his number would be, you know, of the top of the top numbers in the 55 to $60 million category. So you're not going to see quarterbacks tagged all that often, okay? Now, in Lamar Jackson's deal, you know, he's a top-level quarterback, and they were just trying to work on a long-term deal, and he signed the non-exclusive franchise tag, which we'll explain here in just a moment, okay? But, again, quarterbacks are not often done. Um, you often see wide receivers as a likely candidate, um, sometimes defensive ends, because here's the deal. When you're talking about wide receivers and, 
and their shelf life. Uh, I, I mean, some you might see some running backs too, because again, you're just trying to get the best value out of said player for as long as you can. And if the best way you know how to do that is put the franchise tag on them rather than give them a long-term deal, it's actually more advantageous for the team, or that's how it's kind of looked at. And again, that's why the Michael Pittman Jr. situation is pretty interesting. Because I think we can all agree he's the best wide receiver the Colts have. He's probably a top 20 player at his position, but he certainly isn't a top 10 guy at his position. Because obviously, if you had a player like a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or a Tyreek Hill or those guys at the top of the top of their profession, you're going to the table right now and signing an extension. You're going to say, okay, you want 25, okay, 26 a year for four years. You know, you're going there and not really thinking twice about it. I imagine why, and and again, this is negotiation, this is sales. Why wouldn't Michael Pittman Jr. and his representation ask for what they think their value is? Because there's no doubt about it, the value for Michael Pittman Jr. with the Colts is different than just about any other team. Which leads you to this, okay? So there are two types of franchise tags. One is the exclusive franchise tag, which if you do that, the number goes up. So the average number of what that one-year deal essentially is, because that's what a franchise tag is. It's a one-year deal. Uh, Since you have team control of that player, you can just lock that player up. But the number goes high, okay? If you do the non-exclusive franchise tag, um, it's still a pretty high number, but Pittman could still gauge the market at play and see if there is a deal out there that may look like a Christian Kirk. Because I feel like Christian Kirk and Michael Pittman Jr. are very similar. Kirk got a ridiculous deal from this Jacksonville Jaguars, and of course the Arizona Cardinals were not going to match that. Now, if he gets that offer, and I don't know what the number would be, but you know, let's say for the sake of argument it's $110 million over five years or something along those lines. Okay. The Indianapolis Colts can come back to the table and match it, which really, this is where the sales-oriented part comes into this. If Michael Pittman Jr. goes to a team, and a team says, you know, basically, you know, meets his demands of, hey, I want 30, whereas the Colts are going to give him 23 or whatever the case may be, and that team does it, and they sign Michael Pittman Jr. to that number. My understanding is the Colts would get significant draft compensation from the opposition. So if it's the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe the Colts would get two first-round picks for that non-exclusive franchise tag player. So that's why, A, you do the non-exclusive franchise tag because you have every right to match it. But if a team goes out there and signs a high offer sheet, the Colts benefit anyway because they would get compensation back. But my question is this, are the, are the Colts going to be able to show how much they value Michael Pittman Jr.? Because they have all the leverage right now having the ability to franchise tag him. I think at the end of the day, they would love to lock him up long term, but under their terms. Under the terms of 
maybe getting some sort of a slight hometown discount. But I would think Michael Pittman Jr., there's no reason why you wouldn't ask for what you feel like your value is. Why would you why would you do something differently than that? So, again, the franchise tag, this process has changed over the years because we used to see a lot of players franchise tag. But now that you have the exclusive and the non-exclusive and the match component of a contract and all the different, again, I call them nuances. This is where it's not just a decision. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll franchise tag them. You got to be pretty deliberate about what you're doing. And again, it feels like the most likely option is the Colts will non-exclusively franchise tag Michael Pittman Jr. That being if they can't come to an agreement on a long-term extension over these next two weeks. But I think it's more likely than not, again, the franchise tag will be issued to Michael Pittman Jr. Makes sense. And I think he understands why it would make sense for the organization itself. It doesn't feel like Michael Pittman Jr. is a guy that is not going to uh, play for the team as a result of getting the franchise tag or whatever the case may be. So um, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see how it, uh, how it all ends up playing out. But again, you've been hearing the reference to it. We wanted to put some context to it. So you understand all of the different things around the franchise tag. It's it's not as clear-cut as saying, hey, we're going to franchise tag player X. There's some negotiation around it. So, all right, uh, quick break, quick segment, and then Mick Tidgell joins us, voice of the Cardinals, here in a little bit. It's the power talk on CWMUN. Brought to you as always by State Farm Agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the show as always. Power Talk Amongst the new WMUN. And as we embark on what is going to be a very busy week next week, again, we gave you a little bit of a preview of what next week will uh, include from a sectional broadcast standpoint. Stay tuned to our social media pages for all of the different options because there will be some other radio stations of ours in the mix for next week uh, due to a lot of different things. You know, you have uh, Ball State men's and women's basketball next week. We have upwards of five games next week uh, in the multiple sectional matchups that we are covering. So again, you will be able to access all that information right here. And again, you can visit our page on IHSATV.org backslash Wolfboom and all of those games will be available for you on video and then uh, the various radio stations of coverage for next week. So we'll get to uh, get to all of that here in the next couple of days as well. Um, going back to the lead story of today, and that is a massive win last night for Ball State men's basketball, getting the win over Northern Illinois 70-63 to and a fantastic way to end the game with 8.46 to play down nine and being able to uh, um, have the big run they needed and close the game like they needed to get the W and be 5-8 and eight in conference and 13-13 and 13 overall. The man on the call last night, Mick Tidrell, voice of the Cardinals, joins us after this.
Yes, welcome back inside the program. Final segment of a Wednesday show. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, brought to you by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing. Your roof is there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call P. Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. Glad you're with us on the program. Always glad when Mick Tidro, voice of the Cardinals, stops by the program. My friend, I, I want to ask this before we get to last night's game. Um, you know, uh, pretty special. You shared it on social media. Uh, your grandpa was your statistician this past Saturday <laughs> at Miami of Ohio. And I can only assume from uh, kind of the, uh, the, the the description of the picture and those sorts of things, uh, your love of sports and broadcasting, um, did that have something to do with uh, uh, your grandpa in a way? It seemed like a pretty special moment there. No, Mark, I appreciate you having me on the show as always. And I really, really appreciate you bringing that up too because – that was a day that will be a core memory for me and for my grandpa too. Um, grandma passed away four years ago. And so grandpa's been, you know, spends a lot of time by himself. He lives in the middle of nowhere in Richmond at this point out in the country. So any chance that I get or any chance that one of our family members gets to do something special for him, we try to make that effort. And this is a perfect chance to pick him up on the way to Oxford Saturday. And I just said, grandpa, you're coming with me. I know you're not busy. We're going to basketball. <laughs> and <laughs> he was he was so excited. And um, I knew as soon as we got there, I was like, okay, I've got to get him and Coach Lewis to meet because my grandpa coached high school basketball in, in Indiana for decades. And he knows people who have, you know, played against, with, and all that with Coach Lewis. And just one of those moments where I had to – we had to try to make it happen. So – uh, we usually do our pregame interview with Coach Lewis an hour before tip-off. And I just wind back through, and, and, and as soon as I'm about to open the door to go into the locker room, uh, Coach Lewis actually opens the door at the same time. And boom, it's like it's a perfect introduction between Coach Lewis and Grandpa. And Coach Lewis is like, hey, Jeff, why don't you come, come back with, with Nick and I when we do the interview? You can come hang out with us for a little bit. And it was just really cool, man, because, because everybody knows Coach Lewis is so gracious with his time and he's always um, up for talking basketball and community. And they, they chatted for a few minutes just about random Indiana high school basketball. And it's a really special moment to, to be a part of that and to see it go on. And, and my grandpa is a longtime, um, obviously, Ball State fan. But he was a longtime IU fan, too, so he got to see Coach Lewis play quite a bit. And so, yeah, just a special moment all the way around. And then Grandpa's also a math teacher, or was a math teacher. So it was just like, <laughs> it kind of feels like statistician for the day. It feels like the right job. <laughs> did he uh, Did he ask afterwards if he can, like, have the job permanently? Because you and I both know uh, the name Dan Wolford. He might be listening to this program. I don't know, Dan. You might have some stuff to worry about here. <laughs> uh, I, I think that Grandpa enjoyed the gig. I don't know if it's going to be a full-time thing. But, Dan, I think your job is safe. <laughs> I saw Dan today, and, yeah, it's, I, I, it was a Cool, cool picture, cool explanation. Um, must have been a, a lot of fun there. Um, I'll tell you what's a lot of fun as a broadcaster is uh, uh, chronicling a win. <laughs> and last night had to be uh, had to be a lot of fun. Um, describe this. So, you know, we, we brought it up this way that if you were to have told a fan that didn't watch or listen to the game, 
and said with 8.46 to play, you're down nine, and your best player hadn't scored a field goal in the first half, shooting 0 for 11. How do you think yeah. the game would have turned out? And, um, well, even with those circumstances, Ball State got the very, very much needed win. Yeah, Mark, I think that, and Coach Lewis talked about this, like you have to give Bashir Jihad all the credit in the world for just sticking with it and taking shots. And just the way that the Bashir was attacking and still taking shots that he normally takes, right? High-quality shots right around the rim, a floater here, a shot at the free throw line there on a jump shot. You think those shots are going in because he's hit those. And it's just one of those nights where it didn't happen, but he continued to stick to it. He worked to the free throw line. He scored most of his points from the stripe. So his ability to stay engaged and not drop was paramount to Ball State coming back in those late situations. And to have those stat lines, Mark, 0 for 11 in the first half and only be down by four, that is a testament to the rest of the team picking him up and also the defensive effort. Defensive effort was great. David Coit, one of the top scorers in the country, had 17 in the first half, which sounds like a lot, but nobody else had more than five in the first half. So Northern Illinois' offense was held by Ball State's defense. And then you had the the surrounding pieces from Jihad picking up a lot of offensive opportunity too because you look at the the numbers and should probably start with congratulations to Jalen Anderson on on hitting 1,000 career points as well, but he was in triple-double territory. I mean, 19 points, eight boards, seven rebounds. Uh, Bailey hit a new Division One career high, five threes, to give himself a, a great night and, and, and propel Ball State too. So even with Bashir's shooting night not being what it typically is in a high percentage, he was able to still be a driving force in the offense, and then the rest of the team really came through too. Um, big response. Like again, I, I know what it feels like from the outside, and I get the comments. You probably do too. After you have the uh, the tough second half on Saturday, and everybody's curious how you're yeah. going to come out and how you're going to play. And again, um, they didn't play their best yesterday, but yet put themselves in a position and closed the game in that way. In, in, in covering the team all year long, Mick, um, I know this is no surprise about this team because they've had their backs against the wall many different times mm-hmm. this year. And they've responded, and they did so again. So I hope, and again, that's that's part of sports and part of the fan reaction. But I hope, I hope that part at least gets shut down a little bit. Mark, I think the best way to capture that part of the conversation is in the pregame conversation with Coach Lewis before that NIU game. Just simply asked him, "What do you want to see to where that second half against Miami doesn't carry over to NIU?" How, how do you get to the positive space? And he just said, show the guys the good that we've done because there's been a lot of good that's been, that's been had. He's like, there's obviously been the ups and downs, but we can't forget about what these guys have done on the good side. There have been a lot of positives. It may not feel like it sometimes because it's been that type of a season, but Marky said that there's, there's so much good that has happened. And when you look at how many close games are, has been played, you can see that. You can see that that's, that rings true. Um, and the way that they bounce back from that Miami game is, is a big testament. And look, I know the conversation is like, well, they're not in the MAC tournament if it started today. I understand that. And it's a tough, it's a tough balance back and forth. But to win that game sets them up to control their own destiny now. Like there's, there's yeah. plenty of room 
to go take a spot in the Mac. And well, if it's six, if it's eight, you get in and anything happens. We, we see mayhem happen all the time in the Mac tournament. So at the end of the day, when you have a team that is as young as they are, when you have a team that's that's growing through the ups and downs together, you're going to have that. But the way that you come back as a team from a game like the Miami one, where it was a one-point game at halftime and then you were outscored by 20 in the second half, and you show up in the first half of the next game, there's something there. That, that says yeah. something. That, that says something to me, and it said something to the coaching staff because Coach Lewis was beaming and he was proud of the guys in the post-game conversation. So I think that we have to remember – that there's been good this year. It, it sometimes, again, may not feel like it because of the close losses and the heartbreak and the, the ones that hurt and sting, but there's fight in this team, and that, that showed through at NIU. It's Mick Tidgell, voice of the Cardinals, with us. Qu- uh, quickly to your point on that, um, I-, I mentioned this early on. So last night, Ball State gave up 63 to Northern Illinois. That's only 13 points more than they gave up in one half to Miami of Ohio uh, with yeah. 50. Uh, put that in perspective, Miami of Ohio had 50 and a half. Last night, they lost to a team in Western Michigan that was in a bit of a tailspin, 77 mm-hmm. to 58. So they scored eight more points in that entire <laughs> game last night than they did against Ball State in the second half. I mean, that's the Mac, folks. There it is. It, it, it is, and, and that's a perfect way to capture it. And if you look at the standings right now, between where Ball State's at in the nine spot and the six spot, all those types of games are happening. Like that's there's just weird things that are going on. Central Michigan beats Bowling Green in overtime it, it, for the three battle. Uh, then you have, like you just said, at Western Michigan, six straight losses, and they come out and just demolish. Miami after Miami put up 50 points in the second half against Ball State. So you you often have to worry about the other side of it, too. For Miami, you score that many points in the second half. Are you going to let that carry over? Is there going to be a wall? And they they hit the wall. So there's different ways to respond. And that that really is peak action. And from about the sixth spot through nine-ish right now in the MAC, there's – there's an open window, and, and Ball State can peek through it with, uh, with a couple more wins. Yeah, I love the the postgame uh, locker room, and uh, I, I know I've talked to Coach Lewis about this and uh, asking about, you know, when you have a stretch where, hey, like, let's say you have three or f- three or four at home, like how do you look at the grouping? And he said, you know, to be honest with you, sometimes I don't even know what, what we're playing on Saturday when we have a Tuesday game. <laughs> like it is truly right, that 1-0 right. and o mentality, and the fact that they focused on that, I think uh, that speaks volumes, Mick, and we got about 60 seconds here because – they understand going into last night with six to play if they focused on all six and what they needed to do record-wise they'd get lost and it truly is one game at a time because if they piece it all together then ultimately like you mentioned it may not just be the eight it could be the six or the seven seed and winning on the road is hard in this conference winning on the road is hard in this conference Akron looked like they were going to run away with the conference and guess what Toledo beats them in Savage Arena at home in Toledo so you got to show up every night road games are hard in this conference and Ball State was able to, to hold off an NIE team yeah they, they were missing a couple players but they've also got one of the best scores in the country so that that can pull things to equilibrium a little bit and Mark you're absolutely right yeah I think it's going to be interesting uh, Mick Tidrell has the TV call tonight as uh, Ball State women's basketball back in action he's with us each and every Wednesday the voice of the Cardinals uh, great call last night Mick always great to chat with you and we'll talk to you next week Appreciate you, Mark. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week and go Cards. That's uh, Mick Tidrell with us on the program. 
right here. Yeah, I mean, put those numbers into perspective. We talked about uh, giving up 63 to Northern Illinois and Miami scored 50 on you. I mean, how about how about that? Miami of Ohio put up 80-plus. They scored 58, so eight more points than they did in a half against Ball State last set. This is the Mac, man. There it is. So, uh, thanks to Mick Tedrow. Thanks to all those of you for joining us. We have a lot to get to tomorrow. Pacers are back after uh, the All-Star break hiatus. We're back with you tomorrow at 4. We'll talk to you then.